The corruption of sin rears its ugly head as David looks out over the great city of Jerusalem. First adultery, and then murder. On The Bible Brief. Did you know that The Bible Brief is a listener-supported show? Consider becoming a monthly supporter at our link in the show notes. Uriah was carrying the letter pinned by the king. He was trekking more than 40 miles back to the siege at Rabbah. He couldn't shake from his mind how odd his interactions with the king had been. David had called him specifically out of all the army to come back to Jerusalem, taking him away from the battle and away from his men. Yet upon Uriah's arrival in Jerusalem, David merely seems interested in small talk information David could have gained from someone else. Uriah belonged with his men as one of their leaders. He was one of the thirty, one of David's mighty men, and he shouldn't have been removed from the battle against the enemy. Uriah continued to head back to Reba and continued thinking. Whatever the mission was, surely it wasn't for that small talk. No, surely it was the letter in his hand. A sealed letter only to be opened by David's trusted commander, Joab, delivered by his trusted fighter, Uriah. If nothing else, Uriah would complete this apparently important mission. His letter would find the hand of Joab. God was with David. He had experienced months, perhaps years of success as king over Israel. He destroyed the strength of Philistia of Moab and of Edom, along with many other nations in and around the promised land of Canaan. Perhaps the great covenant that God made with David bolstered his resolve to continue the conquest of the land. But certainly the presence of God in battle allowed him to succeed where others had failed. The godly King David had been leading God's nation of Israel, and he looked unstoppable. Yet in this era of seemingly unmitigated blessing upon the whole nation, David makes a big mistake. A great sin that would mark the remainder of his life. It was weeks ago that it happened. An event which would shape David's life forever and lead to this letter being delivered by Uriah. Weeks ago, as the king looked out over the great city of Jerusalem, the city of God and the city of the king. We read this in 2 Samuel chapter 11. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent his commander Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to look at. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, This is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. On a beautiful spring evening, David looks out and sees what he should have immediately looked away from. A beautiful woman bathing on the roof of her house. Ordinarily, this might have been a private place for a bath, but David's house probably had the highest elevation in the city and a view of all the happenings within. He saw, but... Rather than averting his gaze, he looked further. Then with interest, he began to ask questions. 
Soon someone indicated that this is a married woman, the wife of one of David's greatest soldiers, a woman apart from her husband because of the siege at Reba. It should have ended there for David, but the desire that came from his gaze overwhelmed his reason and his obedience. Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David, and said, I am pregnant. With David's desire for the woman satisfied, he thinks he's in the clear. Apparently he believes that he has committed adultery and just gotten away with it. The woman was back at her home and he was satisfied. Yet weeks later, new news surely sent his mind racing. The woman was pregnant while her husband was away at war. David knew that the whispers in Jerusalem might soon begin, as soon as the woman began to show her pregnancy. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing, and how the people were doing, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. David's solution to the ordeal is a deception. He figures that if he calls Uriah from the battle to have a night at home with his wife, that any potential accusations of adultery would be stifled. The child would appear to be Uriah's, and the man would be none the wiser. Yet despite this cunning plan, Uriah simply won't play along. In solidarity with his men at the battle, he refuses a homecoming with his wife before his men are able to do the same. Rather than go to his house, he stays near David's. David tries the same thing again the next night, but this time attempts to remove Uriah's objections through the use of alcohol. Yet even in an apparently drunk state, Uriah maintains his conviction. David's plan has been defeated by the faithfulness of Uriah to his mission with his men. You can imagine the king beginning to grasp at anything that will solve the situation. What plan could he now come up with that could absolve him in the eyes of the people? So he settles on a letter to Joab a letter he sends by the hand of Uriah back to Reba, the site of the siege. So Uriah, having slept a few nights in the city, heads back to the battle, letter in hand, surely confused by this interaction with the king. Soon Uriah arrives at the camp. He gives Joab the commander the letter from the king. Uriah's mission is accomplished, and he heads back to his men, the men whom he'd shown such loyalty to, even in faraway Jerusalem. Yet before long, Joab announces a new offensive against the city, an offensive that seems odd in the midst of a siege. Rather than wait on the city's inhabitants to surrender from starvation, Joab wants his army to approach the city, with Uriah's unit leading the way. The offensive begins, 
The men fight valiantly, but Uriah and many of his men fall outside the wall of the city of Reba, killed by the expert archers of the enemy. The letter David had sent to Joab read simply this, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him, that he may be struck down and die. Uriah's final mission from David was to carry the letter that sealed his fate. He had carried his own death warrant. He was killed by David's order using the weapon of an enemy. Joab soon sent word to David about the battle's developments, and David is relieved that his sin against Uriah and against his wife Bathsheba can now be covered up. Now David can look like a compassionate king to marry the widowed woman after she grieves her husband. We read, When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David had been concerned about the eyes of the people, potentially looking with displeasure on their king. But what he'd given little regard to was the eyes of Yahweh, looking upon his ill-advised actions. Yahweh is not pleased, and David will soon find out. Then the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. A traveler came to the rich man, who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But the rich man took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the rich man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. David's heart goes from anger at the rich man to sudden realization that his secret has been found out. And not only that, but in his anger at the rich man, he's condemned none other than himself. He points the finger at the guilty, and as soon as he does, realizes that he's pointing at a mirror. Here David exhibits something all too common to humanity. We condemn the very sins of others that we commit ourselves. We make excuses for our own behavior, yet angrily judge the transgressions of our neighbor. We minimize our own sins while maximizing the sins of others. Rather than choose humility, we choose pride, and in so doing we condemn ourselves. Later in the Bible we read this, You who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples of their idols? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, 
the name of God is blasphemed among the nations because of you. David's sense of justice was inflamed by the story from the prophet Nathan about the rich man stealing the poor man's lamb. He knew God's law, and his condemnation fell upon the lawbreaker, a condemnation that he had not considered for himself. David was the lawbreaker, and Yahweh made David see his own sin with this story from Nathan. Next, God tells David of the consequences. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of Yahweh to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes, and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son." Yahweh announces that because David has despised God and sinned against him, that the sword will never depart from the house of David, and that he will raise up an adversary from David from within his house. Further, this adversary will take David's wives and do to them in public what David had done to Uriah's wife in private. David was guilty of murder, and David was guilty of adultery. God was showing him the consequences of his actions. For his part, David doesn't resist the judgment, nor does he try to cast blame, nor does he try to claim innocence. Instead, David simply says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. A humble and contrite response while he swims in the results of his sins. David deserves death and he knows it. He knows that he has sinned and his hiding is over. Nathan continues, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. The great King David, who received the magnificent covenant promises from God of a dynasty, a kingdom, and a king, has now received severe judgments from God. Judgments of violence in his house, an adversary against him, and the death of his child. Israel had experienced blessing through her righteous king conquering the land of Canaan. But soon, Israel would be visited by her king's sins. The house of David is about to suffer an earthquake. Son will violate sister. Brother will rise against brother and David will be cast out of his own house and his own city. Join us next time as David's sins begin to bear their ugly fruit.
The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023